Welcome to the Houghton Baptist Podcast for July 8th, 2018. Today, Bill Tucker's standing in for Pastor Dave, who's taking a little time off. He will be talking about our friend Joseph. This will be an interesting podcast. Afterwards, check out our website when you get a chance. A lot of information there about the church, including our vacation Bible experience coming up real soon. Enjoy the podcast and have a great day. Good morning. Glad to see glad to see so many here, even though it is summer and we're all on a dead run. Cindy and I last week had visitors, and we always look forward to that. And we kind of look forward when it gets over too. Uh, had our, our my daughter, oldest daughter, and her husband, and five of our nine grandchildren with us, uh, all the way from like two to ten, eleven ish, somewhere in there. It was a crazy time, uh, and uh, the weather, you know what the weather has been like recently. It's all, all over the map, and beaches are closed, and so we had to get a little bit creative. But on the rainy days, we, we also got to have some good times. So now I know all about, let's see here, I made a little list, Dora, <laughs> PJ masks, bubble guppies, and with the two boys, anything with a ninja in it. <laughs> we, we, we watched all of them. Couple of decent movies we got to watch uh, in that time as well, but a real roller coaster. And you know, I, I think it's timely then, as we're in Genesis still, and we're looking at Joseph. You want to talk about a roller coaster life? That's Joseph. And you know, I don't know that it's much different for any of us. We we get a lot of ups and downs, and tend to enjoy the ups and dread the downs. And uh, we're going to look at a guy today that somehow found a way. To not just prosper, but do very well when he was down. And he was down further than most of us. So let's pray. Father, as we look at your word this morning, let us remain mindful that while the life of Joseph was extraordinary, uh, the lessons do apply to each of us today. We confess our sins to you now. May the Holy Spirit fill the hearers and the speaker today, Lord. Amen. We are continuing in Genesis. Let me prop this up here a little bit. Uh, in chapter 39, and we're going to get into 40, and we're going to touch 41 just a touch. And we're going to look at a portion of Joseph's life that had dramatic swings. From prominence to prison and back. And we're going to see that faith, real faith, is what sustained him through all of it. And as I said, he, he managed to prosper in some pretty tough circumstances. Let's review his life just a little bit. If we go back into the first <clears throat> chapter, or chapter 30 through 36, we're going to find a little bit of the biography of Joseph. He was born in Aram, which today would be Syria and part of northern Iraq, around 1750 B.C. He was the 12th child and the 11th son of Jacob. First son of Rachel, the wife that Jacob loved. He came from a family line which had been set apart by God. So something special's in the offing here. He is, his immediate family had some traits that we would say today made them significantly dysfunctional, to say the least. Uh, 
The family eventually migrated from Syria to Canaan during Joseph's childhood. His mother died in childbirth when Joseph was a teenager. So we know uh, that he went without mom for many, many years of his youth. He was a precocious youth, I think is uh, pretty evident. He was a good boy, the object of a great deal of favoritism. Uh, if any of you are other than the youngest sibling, you, you probably know this story. I, I certainly do. And I love my sister, don't get me wrong, she's wonderful. But Dad always liked her best. And I prefer to think, and she's not admitted this yet, that I wore them down. So it just made it, it, made it easier for her once she came along. But he's the object of a great deal of favoritism. He receives God-given dreams about the future. And he comes into conflict with his brothers who then hate him. They're envious. They're jealous. They just, man, they just can't take little brother too much. So, so they capture him, kind of imprison him, threaten him with death, and eventually sell him into slavery. I think that that qualifies as dysfunctional. So, so let's look at chapter 39, and I'm, I'm going to read a few verses, and then we'll talk a little bit. But Joseph's going to face three tests in this chapter, and the first one's the test of slavery. Let's look at, uh, with my quadfocals at chapter 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. So the brothers sold him to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites now sold him to Potiphar. And this next phrase is key, and, and you're going to hear it more times this morning. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw the, that the Lord was with him, and, he did, and, and that he, all he did to succeed in his hands, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. So Joseph, far from wallowing in self-pity, even though he's now been betrayed by his brothers, be it good or bad, they're still family. He's been sold into slavery. I would expect he didn't think his prospects looked very good at that point. And yet something in Joseph caused him to say, well, somehow, some way, my God is in this, his hand is on this. We see right here in Scripture, God was with him. And so eventually, he, through his hard work and efforts to kind of make the best of the situation, uh, that becomes obvious. Uh, and when you, when you see the verse that says that, you know, even the Egyptian knew that the source of this was God was with Joseph. So obviously, Joseph didn't keep that a secret. He talked to those in his periphery. He talked to those in authority over him, and he never wavered. Uh, what a lesson that is for us. He found himself in that slavery through the unfaithfulness of his brothers, and yet we do read the Lord was with him. Joseph let, uh, refused to let that slavery define him. He applied himself, was successful with his responsibilities, and was promoted to second in command of Potiphar's household. Now that's a pretty amazing story right there. If we, didn't, if we just stopped right there, you know, the guy's 
in a foreign land. He's now in a very prominent position. And, I mean, really, he can thank his brothers for tossing him into that pit and then selling him to the Ishmaelites. God kind of works in strange and mysterious ways. So now let's go on in verses 6 through 18. We're going to see test number 2, the temptation. Verse 6, it says... So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. This, this would be Potiphar. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me my master has no concern about anything in his house, and he's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How can I then do this great wickedness and sin against God? <clears throat> Excuse me. And as he spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. Um, obviously, we know from some subsequent verses that she eventually threw herself at him, framed him, claimed that he raped her, and ultimately he finds himself out of favor, and as a Hebrew he's imprisoned, put in jail. Uh, again, another, another test, another instance where somebody else's unfaithfulness, in this case Potiphar's wife, being unfaithful to her own vows to her husband, and then also to be dishonest enough to try to frame Joseph. But through others' actions, Joseph maintained his integrity. He refused to betray the, the trust of Potiphar. And more importantly, and this is a key element here, he refused to sin against God. See, ultimately, all of our sin is against God. Um, and we will sin against one another. Sometimes the other person doesn't even know it. But God knows it because the sin is ultimately against him. And it was a tremendous price paid to redeem us from that sin, uh, as we know from the cross. So now we're going to go to that third test. We'll start in verse 19. And the third test is now prison. He's gone from like the county jail before. Now he's, he's going to be in prison. <clears throat> Let's pick this up in uh, verse 19. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, again there we go, and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were there. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was put in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So again, we see Joseph in a real bad spot. Didn't, didn't have anything to do with it directly himself. Uh, unfairness again. How many of us would crumble at that point? Uh, I've, I've only been accused of doing something maybe twice in my life that I didn't do. All the other times I did do it. And it, I was just indignant. I've, I've shared this story before. I'll mention it briefly. I was probably third or fourth grade at school. 
got in trouble for something I did not do, I was incensed. Went home, waited till Dad got home, and told him. And he was, he'd already had dinner. That was always a good thing to do. And he was in his, his uh, uh, whatever would be the equivalent of a lazy boy recliner. I don't know what, what we had then. But nice, easy chair, reading the newspaper. And I came up and I said, Dad, I need to talk to you. He lowered the paper down. I said, well, I, this is what happened at school today. And, and boy, I, I really appreciate it if you go straighten this out. And he looked at me very carefully and he said, son, I have a question for you. I said, okay. He said, I believe you, but he said, have you ever done anything at school and didn't get caught? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, it all evens out. Pick the paper back up. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that might have hurt worse than what the unfairness of it all, that he was not going to go fix it. Uh, it was still a good lesson because it does all, eventually you're going to get nailed. when you, when you uh, And I, I very often gave him reason to, to, to anyway, that's another, another story. Uh, God redeemed me. Let's just put it that way. So, so now we see Bre- uh, Joseph in prison, and eventually rises to what we would probably call today the deputy warden of the whole prison. That's a pretty big deal. I've, I've been in prison, not as a resident. I was visiting uh, with prison work, and uh, you get to know, uh, we were doing that for about 11 years, so you get to know the personnel. We got to know the wardens and the assistant wardens and many, many of the staff who have an extremely challenging, difficult job. Um, and I would hope that we would occasionally remember them because once, once the do-gooders like us would walk in the door, their job just got a whole bunch harder. They had to watch the prisoners. They had to watch out for each other. And now they got to watch us too. And I can just imagine there were days when that just about drove them nuts. Um, you could always tell which ones weren't too happy you were there by the look on their face. But then occasionally you'd sneak a peek at one who was singing along with you in the chapel. So there were some brethren there as well. So now let's move on to chapter 40. And I'm going to read this entire chapter and then we'll go back and look at it a little bit. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers and the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the very prison where where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to watch them, be with them, and attend to them. And they continued for some time in this custody. We don't know how long. One night they both dreamed. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each had his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your, your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to them, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on that vine there were three branches, and as soon as it budded, the blossom shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. 
Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. I was indeed stolen, and, and to get me out of this place. I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into this prison. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, well, I also had a dream. In my dream, there were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. That probably was not what he wanted to hear. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants. It lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and, they, and he began to place the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But then he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So once again, Joseph clunk, the other shoe drops. And we know from the text here, uh, a little further on, he'll spend another two years in prison. Um, and at that point, if you or I had been strong enough to get this far, where would we be mentally and, and with our relationship with God? Um, I saw many a prisoner <clears throat> in prison ministry go to their parole hearings and receive what they called a flop. They didn't, they didn't get paroled. They were usually hopeful, guardedly hopeful before, always upset and distraught and angry afterwards. Uh, and, and, and all that time, and Cindy's memory is probably better than mine, I, rem I remember only meeting one, one guy, his name was Chicago, and I think he was from Chicago, um, that, that would not even go to a parole hearing, would not even contemplate it because he said, I didn't do this. So I'm not going to go beg for mercy for something I didn't do. So this guy might have gotten out, but he stayed for several more years. And uh, But you could tell inside of him he was an angry... He wasn't content to write it out and see what God had for him. He was an angry, angry young man. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he wasn't in trouble again real fast. But anyway, Joseph's imprisonment now continues. And as, as we saw, he's able to interpret the dreams of both the cupbearer and the baker. And the cupbearer promised to mention Joseph to the king. And of course, with unfaithfulness again, did no such thing. And again, Joseph remained in prison two more years. In chapter 41, we still see Joseph remaining faithful to God. And he's being called on to interpret the dreams of the king or the pharaoh. Uh, th this will portend his rise to being the second most powerful man in Egypt. But I'm going to let Brother Don Curry pick that ball up here soon and preach on those things. The Holy Spirit has seen fit to record uh, this for our benefit. Let me share some lessons from Joseph's life that we are intended to benefit from. A big one here, I think, uh, and applies to all of us, no matter what size suffering we have in our life is that God's presence is, in, is there in the midst of our suffering. He, he's not left us. 
In Genesis 37, there are signs that God has special plans for Joseph and has given him a gift to both receive and interpret divinely sent dreams. What a gift that would be, uh, and one that would have to be handled with great care. In Genesis 39 and 40, God's presence and will for Joseph are repeatedly made, made specific. The Lord was with Joseph in slavery, and he became a successful man. His master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. All of these are in those two chapters. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. For a number of years now, I've been a supervisor at what I do. I've had tremendous, tremendous fortune with very, very good employees, and it gives me great comfort to send them out in the morning knowing I don't have to be right there in their pocket watching them every minute. They know what to do. They've been trained well. They've got good attitudes about doing it. And basically, I just get to bask in their glory when they perform well. That's a great place to be in, I can assure you. I'm glad it's not another way. Um, That's when it gets difficult. As we would go on, again, with, with Don's help here soon, we'll see in chapters 40 and 41, that Joseph's able to interpret the dreams of the baker, the cupbearer, and finally Pharaoh. And even this gift that he has is a sign of God's presence because he himself says, do not interpretations belong to God. So Joseph knew where this gift was from. He never forgot that. But the point is clear. God was with Joseph, even in his suffering. And I think with the way this is recorded, particularly for our benefit, to see that that was in his suffering. Further, God's presence makes a difference. It's not just that he has God's presence. There's something, a purpose that God wants to see accomplished in Joseph that we then continue to read about. God meets Joseph in suffering, as he often meets us in suffering. Because sometimes that's about the only time we remember him and call to him. He delivers him always to a better place and then uses him in service to bless others. You know, how about us? When we finally come out of the the pit we're in, whatever it is, we know God delivers us, we give thanks and recognize Him for it, Then we do we then go the next step? Do we take what we've learned and serve Him, or we just go back about our business till we jam, jam ourselves up again? Um, all too often, I'm guilty of that. Forget all about Him. So you just sit over there in the corner until I screw up again, and I'll come get you. Not only does Joseph prosper and thrive through these things, but others do as well. There's a tremendous concept in Scripture called blessing by association. Many of us in this room know that concept very well if we think about it. We've either had parents, grandparents, somebody that knew the Lord really well in our background and managed to convey that to us over our lives to a point where it probably piqued our interest to pursue it ourselves. Um, I can I can think of those in my background. My wife can think of hundreds in her background that did this very same thing. We we've been uh, bequeathed a tremendous spiritual heritage that uh, boy we we need to ignore at great peril. Um, I think our nation is suffering because of that, and I won't get into editorializing because I could keep you here for hours and hours. 
Let's look at some of the other people that prospered because of Joseph and his obedience and God being with him. Potiphar and his household, without question. The chief jailer and all the prisoners. Okay, The pharaoh and all of Egypt, as he became second in command. And eventually, as we will see soon, Joseph's brothers will be blessed tremendously, even though they've not been very honorable throughout this whole process. A new nation will be blessed, and then ultimately the prophecy will be fulfilled that all the nations of the world will be blessed through this line. Brothers and sisters, this is an amazing story. But let's remember that it is history as well. It's not just a story. It's not just a neat story to tell your kids in Sunday school. It happened. It happened. None of us know the twists and turns that our lives will take. Will we be enslaved someday? Maybe not physically, but can we be enslaved to addictions? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We see a lot of that. Will we pass the tests that come our way? Because they will. If you haven't had one yet, you're either not paying attention or you just wait. You're just too young. (laughs) Will we be faithful when those tests come? Will we remember that none of this surprises God? He knew it was going to happen. He knew, and if if he has then permitted it to continue, he has a purpose in it. And and there you go back to that, that saying of you don't ask why, you ask what. You know, not why has this happened to me, why, you know. I gave an extra $5 last week, Lord. Why? No, what, what do you have for me? What am I to learn? What am I to do with what I learn? Is it possible at all for the Lord to be with us as well? That's a definitive yes. Yes. And here's something I've learned as well, that our faith will always grow more in adversity than prosperity. I've always learned more about me, my God, and even friends. You find out who your real friends are when you're in a jam. Sometimes that's painful, but I think it's a healthy thing to know. So I think the question at the end of the day is, will God be with us like he was with Joseph? And I think I can answer that definitively. Let's pray. Father, your word tells us that you will never leave us nor forsake us Though we fail, you never do. Father, if there's anyone here today that does not know you, may the Holy Spirit speak to them. This is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, but today. Lord, we all enter this building just as we are, like our sign says out front. But may we all be changed and renewed when we leave. Let everyone know that God is with us. Amen. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Hope Baptist Podcast. We appreciate your support. If you're looking for a church or it's been a while since you've been to church, why don't you come and check out Houghton Baptist? We certainly love to have you. You can come as you are. We do. Also, if you're interested in giving, you can give by text. Just send a text to 906 Three four six one three one seven, and follow the prompts from there. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast, and have a great day.